The following message is brought to you by Morgan Hill Bible Church. For all things MHBC, connect with us on social media and check us out online at mhbible.org. Good morning, everyone. My name is Anthony. I'm the student pastor here at Morgan Hill Bible Church, and I am honored to once again be the first speaker of the year at an in-person service. So apparently last year I didn't screw up too badly. So welcome. Uh, I am continuing our series, Note to Self, a biblical look at stress, anxiety, and kind of overall mental health. We suffer from stress, anxiety, worry, concern, almost anywhere and everywhere in this life. And the more important the moment, the more bigger the stress. Well, I can think of only a few things more stressful than playing in the biggest game on the biggest stage ever. It's, don't worry guys, it's, it's a football story, but we're gonna get through this, okay? During the Super Bowl of 1989, we have an extremely stress-filled moment, okay? The score is 16-13. The Cincinnati Bengals are three points ahead of the San Francisco 49ers in the very last game of the season. The 49ers get the ball with three minutes left in the entire game. Okay, everything that they have bled for, sweat for, cried for, everything that they have worked for for their entire lives, let alone this very season, is all going to be for naught unless they can drive down the field and score. So about in the 25-yard line, the 49ers take the field, they snap the ball, and a penalty is called, meaning one of the 49ers players did something wrong, they broke a rule, they did something illegal, so they get penalized and pushed back 10 yards. So now they have like 90 yards to go to score. This is a terrible situation. In the huddle, the quarterback at the time, Joe Montana, sees his players, looking at his players in this huddle as they're trying to figure out what play to run. And he sees them, some of them are just literally shaking. The nerves, the moment is getting to them. They, they can't think straight. They can't concentrate. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to do something wrong, and they're not going to score. And so Joe Montana kind of takes a breath, kind of, kind of just looks up at the crowd, and he sees somebody across the field. At the end zone, they're trying to go to, and he, and he taps one of his linemen on the shoulder and says, hey, hey, look at that. Is, that. is that John Candy? John Candy, the actor from Uncle Buck, from Cool Runnins, that guy right there. Hey, look at that. So the whole team kind of turns around and says, oh, yeah, that is John Candy. And Joe Montana brings his people back together and says, hey, let's go have some fun. Let's go win this game. And then they proceed to drive down the field, score, and win the Super Bowl. In an extremely stress-filled moment, if we can break that downward spiral of stress, if we can put a stoppage to that and smile and laugh and just give our overtaxed minds and bodies a break, if we can focus on something else for even just a brief moment, we can allow ourselves to breathe, to rest, and to take a positive step forward. Today, we're going to be talking about King David, the second king over Israel, who by all accounts was a pretty good king. The Bible gives him one of the best compliments I think anybody could ever be given in saying that he was a man after God's own heart. So he was a pretty good guy, pretty good king, but we also have to acknowledge that David had some serious flaws, had some serious weaknesses, and sinned a lot. 
David's life was a crazy one. When he was young and a shepherd just watching some sheep, he fought off lions and bears. He fought a little giant and won. He was anointed king over Israel while there was still the first king in power. That king tried to kill him a couple times, chased him around the whole nation with an army. But eventually, David became king. And even while he was king, he faced some very stressful situations, and I'm sure a lot of those were extremely stressful. But today, we're going to be talking about probably what was the most stressful, the most concerning, the most worrisome event in David's life. We find this in Psalm chapter 3. I like the Psalms because unlike a lot of other books we find in Scripture, the Psalms is poetry, and personally, I just like poetry. But where other books are more narrative, they're more historical, the thing about poetry is it gives us an insight into the heart, the mind, and the soul of the person writing it. And David wrote this one. What's happening in this is David is older. He's probably 60, 60 plus, and he has just been betrayed. One of his children, Absalom, has just usurped the kingdom from David. He's raised an army against his father and marched on the city of Jerusalem where David lived. David has fled with a few of his loyal followers. And so then let me read for you Psalm 3, at least the first part. Psalm 3, a Psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Have any of you ever felt like this? Like you just have a target painted on your back? Like wherever you go, there are enemies. There are people out there trying to get you. Like you just don't fit in. Like you're overwhelmed, you're overworked, you're undervalued, you're underpaid, you're just not part of the crowd. Have you ever felt, maybe you'd never say it, but felt, God, where are you? God, what's happening? What? God, I need you. I can't see you. I can't feel you in this moment. David finds himself in a position he never thought he would be. This whole story takes place in 2 Samuel chapter 13 through 18. Let me give you a brief overview of this. Basically, David has some very rocky relationships with his children, um, but especially this one named Absalom. David has many children with many different wives. Two sons among them are Amnon and Absalom. One day, Amnon sexually assaults his half-sister, Tamar. This happens to be Absalom's full sister. This is and was a very terrible and horrible thing. What makes this worse is that in the narrative scripture in 2 Samuel, there is no description of David bringing justice, of David disciplining, of David bringing correction. David's upset and angry, but there is no description of a father, let alone a king, doing something about this. So Absalom takes vengeance into his own hands. He plots and conceives a plan and then follows through on that plan two years later in killing his half-brother Amnon two years later. David is rightfully so upset and angry. Absalom flees, and they do not talk for years. Eventually, Absalom comes back to Jerusalem, and still David wants nothing to do with him. So Absalom takes this time to garner power and wealth and influence and popularity. 
Eventually, Absalom and David meet, and things seem to be mended. But shortly thereafter, Absalom raises an army and attacks David and the city. David then flees. This is the issue. This is the problem. This is the context, the full context of this poem. This is why this is so intense. This is why this is so crazy for David. Part of the problem here. 100% is Absalom. He's the one who killed his brother. He's the one who is chasing and wanting to kill his father. Absolutely. But David is also to blame. And I think I can make a pretty compelling argument for he's probably 60 to 70% of the blame of the problem here. So I can only imagine that David is filled with anxiety, filled with stress. And I know if this was me, I would be obsessing over it. Because me and in my personal conflicts, whenever I'm just not at peace with somebody, I obsess over it. I think about all the things that I did say and shouldn't have, all the things I didn't say and probably should have, all the things I did do and I shouldn't have done them, and all the things I didn't do and, and I should have. I look over every email, text message, every personal interaction. What could I have done to stop this? And I can only imagine David doing this a hundredfold. What did I do to cause this? And the more we obsess, the more we allow stress, worry, and anxiety to fill up our mental space and our minds, we go down this downward spiral. If I'm already stressed about this situation, and then I obsess over and think about it, and then I'm down here, now I'm even more stressed, and I can just imagine there's this massive downward spiral for David. So here's our problem. So how do we find the solution? I think we head back to Psalm chapter 3. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is now salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. David responds to betrayal. David responds to the many people attacking him, the people coming against him, the people who question the power and the authority of God with faith, saying that God is his shield, meaning that God and God alone is his protector. He says that God and God alone is my glory and the lifter of my head. David is the king of a nation. We've already talked about the feats that David did. He was a great warrior, a powerful king, a man after God's own heart, yet he counts his personal status and glory for naught and only relishes in the glory of God. God alone is the lifter of David's head. As mentioned, David has many things to point to and show his failings, his sins, his flaws. But every time God lifts his head... Every time God brings him out of shame, out of guilt, out of his sin, and even in this moment where a large and significant part of the blame could be laid at David's feet, God is still with him. Because when David cries out, God still answers. So David's answer to his terrible circumstances is faith. But more so, I believe that he filters his stress through his faith. And let me, let me explain If all I said was the counter to stress, anxiety, and worry was faith, just have more faith, what happens at the end of the day after I've prayed, after maybe I've gone to church, when I lay down to sleep and I'm still stressed, I'm still worried, I'm still concerned? 
How do I reconcile all of the various biblical characters who have great faith? Abraham, Moses, David, the prophets, Jesus, Paul, who still became stressed, who still became worried and anxious and concerned. How do I reconcile that fact if all it takes is faith? Did they not have enough faith? Do I not have enough faith? Am I a bad Christian? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's a simple scale of as long as my faith outweighs the stress, then it works. No, I think, I think we need to filter our stress through our faith. And so what do I mean by that? Think about a humble coffee filter. What does this do? This blocks out the coffee grounds and it filters the liquid so that we end up with a nice cup of coffee. At a basic level, it's a physical barrier that withholds the coffee grounds from entering into your mug. Without this, in the morning, when you're expecting a nice cup of coffee, you're going to have a cup of the equivalent of wet sand, hot, wet, bitter sand. That sounds disgusting. That's not what I want in the morning. It's not how I want to wake up. So we need a physical barrier to keep the grounds away, and we need something then to filter the liquid so we end up with a nice cup of coffee. If the grounds, if the coffee grounds are stress, worry, and anxiety, we need something to block out the bad parts, but to then filter it through and leave us with the good and beneficial parts. David filters his stress about people trying to kill him by reminding himself about all the times God has been his protector against lions, bears, giants, enemy armies, kings. David prevailed each time because God was there. Every time David sinned, he fell short, was racked with pain and grief. God was there to lift his head. Because of David's faith, does his circumstance change? No. Because of David's faith, does his son want to stop trying to kill him and take over his kingdom? No. But because of David's faith, he's able to break the downward spiral of stress. He's able to take a moment to rest, to consider, and then move and take a positive step forward. Back to Psalm chapter 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. So David, by filtering his stress, his worry, his anxiety, through his faith, he is able to rest. And I'm sure, as probably all of us know, when we are stressed, worried, and concerned, what's the first thing to go? Sleep and rest. I don't know about you, but when I'm stressed, I lay up at night thinking about and obsessing over my stress, my worry, and doubt. I wake up in the middle of the night and my mind is already going a thousand miles a minute. So rest is the first thing to suffer. But David, even though he has armies set against him, even though his own son wants to kill him, he is able to lay down and sleep because he has attained this peace beyond understanding. He's not afraid of the thousands set against him because God is with him, and salvation belongs to the Lord. 
So how do we do this? How do we filter our stress through our faith like David? First, I think we can read, we can know, and we can meditate on Scripture. Ricky and Shawnee talked about this in the video last week, where we need to take time to read Scripture. As Christ followers, we hopefully are reading Scripture daily, and not only reading it, but thinking about it. Critically meditating on what God is trying to communicate to us. Maybe you're a note taker, and maybe you're one of those crazy people who writes in between the lines or in the margins of their Bible. Good on you. That's I think that's weird. But maybe you're a high, I, I do, I have a journal. I have a journal, don't worry. So I take my notes, but hey, if, if you're the person who writes in between the lines, good for you. Maybe you're a highlighter. I think we should be in community groups talking about scripture. This is what God's speaking to me. This is what God's speaking to you. Just to read scripture, I don't think is enough. We need to critically think and meditate on what God is trying to tell us through scripture. For me, Personally, the worst parts about stress is that it's all-consuming and overwhelming. It takes up the entirety of my mental space, my thought process, my personal bandwidth. So if I can disrupt that with the words of God, if I can give myself the mental break to think clearly about a situation, if I can take hope that various other characters in scriptures and stories who have lived through similar situations, and I can see how God helped them, God worked, God moved in their lives. If I can see how David filters his stress through his faith, that's enough to give me a break in the downward spiral of stress. And this moves us into the second thing, prayer. Prayer, actual, true, honest, real, and raw prayer. This is what David says, when I cried out to God and he answered me from his holy hill. This is what we see David do multiple times in his life. It's what we see Abraham, Moses, all the prophets, Jesus, and Paul do throughout all of scripture. They go to God in real, authentic prayer. God, I have a problem. God, I have issues. God, I sin. God, I messed up. God, what are you doing? God, I'm angry at you. God, where are you? Do you even care? God, I don't know. God, just help. When we go to God in real, raw, authentic prayer, when we go to God and we're vulnerable with him, God is able to meet us there. And we don't have to be worried about going to God and being vulnerable with him because God has already seen us at our worst. God has already seen us at our most embarrassing and our most sinful, and yet he loves us anyways and always. He still sent Jesus here to save all of us, even knowing everything about us. But when we are vulnerable with God in prayer, I believe it's here in the presence of God that we obtain this peace that is beyond all understanding that Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4 six and seven, he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your your requests to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So scripture is the physical barrier of this filter that it gives us that initial break. It gives us that pause in stress then prayer is the actual filtration process. Prayer is the actual water hitting the stress and going through the filter and coming out something useful and beneficial. 
When we, and this is on our third point, so we got scripture, prayer, and third point. When we filter our stress, our worry and anxiety through our faith, it should motivate us to move. It should motivate us to act. Much like a cup of coffee with the caffeine in the morning should motivate us to, I don't know, live? Motivate us to get up and move and work? Nothing's better than a good cup of coffee. But our stress, once filtered through our faith, should motivate us to do something into action. Stress, worry, anxiety cripple us. Stress, worry, and anxiety overwhelm us. They put us in this space that says, well, I don't know if I should do that. I don't know if I can do that. It was probably not going to work. It's probably not going to go well. I, I'm just crippled by this anxiety, and it moves us to inaction. Or if we are able to act, we're like the 49ers, and a penalty happens because we're not thinking clearly. For David, his action step after he after he filtered his faith through his stress was to organize his few loyal followers for battle. For us, our action step is just as varied as all the different, different things that can be stressful in our lives. But this is my go-to. This is my rule of thumb. This is the saying I ask myself when I become stressed. Is there something I can do about this situation to make it better? Is there something I can do to change my circumstances to make it better? And it's always a yes or no answer. If the answer is yes, then I do that thing. If there's something I can do to make it better, then yes, I do it. But if I ask myself the question, is there anything I can do to make my situation better? And the answer is no. Then the action I take is to let go, let God trust and lean in. Now this is much easier said than done. But when we think about it, a lot of the stressful situations in our lives, there is something that we can do for them. It probably won't be very fun. It may take a little more effort, but we can do things about them. If there's an issue between us and a family member, a coworker, a neighbor, someone, then we probably need to have a tough conversation with them. It probably won't be a whole lot of fun, but have a tough conversation with this person. For others, maybe to help our stressful situation, we need to work a little bit harder, work a few more hours, do a, few, do, do a little bit more. But for others we probably need to work a little bit less. We probably need to cut down on our work time. And probably for all of us, we probably need to rearrange our priorities to some degree, and that would help our stressful situation. But what I've found in my life, as difficult as those conversations are, as difficult as it is to work more, to work less, to rearrange our priorities, the most difficult thing I've found is when the answer is no. There is nothing I can do to improve my situation. I just have to let go, let God, trust him and lean in. About six years ago, my wife and I got married. My wife is Emily, she works in our kids ministry. She's wonderful. Um, but we got married about six years ago and shortly after we got married, she got very sick. She got chronically ill and this, rightly so, concerned us greatly. And so we looked at the thing, we filtered our stress through our faith, and we got to the point of, is there anything we can do about this situation? Yes, there is. We'll go to the hospital, we'll go to doctors, we'll go to experts, we'll take every test that we can. And for two years, we did that. And for two years, 
nothing changed. For two years, every doctor said she was normal, every test came back normal. We couldn't figure out what was going on with my wife, but month by month, she got worse and worse. We took every step that we could, we took every action that we could, until literally the doctors wouldn't meet with us anymore. They thought we were making up the issues and making up the problems. And so literally every step, every action step we could take was taken away from us. And so our only answer to the question was no. We had to let go and let God. And for that season of our life, we've talked about it since, that was the most difficult season of our lives, together or separate, by far. And while I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy, I also wouldn't change it. We've talked about it since. That is one of the things in our lives that was so impactful for us, our ministry, just who we are as people. Because in that season of life, when our answer was no, we couldn't do anything to better our situation, God was the only thing that we had. God was our motivation, he was our joy, he was our promise, he was our hope, he was the reason we got out of bed in the morning. And as difficult as it was, because I, I like doing stuff, I need something to do, if I can do something, I will. But in that moment, we just had to sit there and lean in and trust God, and that was the closest my wife and I have ever been to God. When he was our everything, because we literally couldn't do anything else, there are times that I miss that closeness with God. And while it was the most difficult season of our life, it was weirdly some of the best times we ever had, as difficult as it was. So I say that because I know there's a lot of people here who you want to do something, you need to do something, you're just wired that way to do something and act, but there will be times in your life where you have to let go let God and just lean in and trust that he knows what he's doing. My wife, Emily, is now happy and healthy and healed, a work and miracle of God, but that's another story for another time. The stressors of life, the worries that plague us, the anxiety that can cripple us are parts of life. We can't escape it. It's, it's part of this thing that we call life. We will all be stressed, worried, and anxious at some part in our, in, our, in our life. We cannot avoid it forever. So how do we as Christians properly process through stress, worry, and anxiety in a healthy and good way? I think it's like David and many other biblical characters. We are to process our stress through our faith. Bring our anxieties to God. Have, have the faith, have the barrier to protect us from the bitterness, the coarseness, the rough edges of stress. Have the words of God break the spiral that anxiety can be. Through prayer, we gain this peace that is beyond understanding. When we are vulnerable with God in prayer, it processes through our strength, our, our, strength, our faith, and then we are ready to move. To move into action, have that tough conversation, do the things that we can to better our situation, or sometimes just let go. Just let go and be in the presence of God and let him work. Let's pray. Lord, help us.
Help us through this life when it becomes stressful, when it becomes overwhelming, when it just feels so all-encompassing. Lord, help us to filter our stress through our faith. Lord, help us to read your words, to read scripture. And Lord, in those moments, bring those stories up, bring those verses up that can stop our spiral. Lord, help us to be vulnerable in prayer with you, to be open and real and raw and just be in your presence. Lord, help us in those moments gain this peace that, that we don't understand, that is incomprehensible. But Lord, help give us that peace and then that guidance and wisdom to then act, to then move forward. Lord, help us to take those actions that we need to take, maybe those tough conversations, maybe those more work hours, those less work hours, but Lord, I'm pretty sure we all use a rearranging of our priorities. And while it may not be fun, it is necessary. And then Lord, in those most difficult moments where the answer is no, where, where we just have to let go, Lord, give us the bravery, the courage, and most importantly, the peace and comfort in those times. Bring the community around us, bring people around us to help us, to support us in those times. But Lord, help us to let go and lean in and trust. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation with us on social media. Never miss a message and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.